You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. Okay we are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters? sisters? Hello, sisters. Hi, sisters. How are you? How are you? You I'm can just answer in your car. You can just say, like, I'm fucking fabulous. You can, like, kind of talk to us that way. Yeah. We're here for you. For those that are just joining OKSIS, OK welcome. I am Scout. I'm Mads. And we are the sisters behind OKSIS OK podcast. That we are. That we are. Real life sisters. And I just want everybody to know that I am three years older. Yes. People think you're younger because you're shorter. People always think I'm younger than you. Yeah, it's wild because you're you're like way more mature. Yeah, every time people... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with that statement, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but every time we're together, people always think I'm the youngest. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I like being... I've always liked being the youngest. I got the more attention. I was loved more, probably... They made oh. all the mistakes with you, and then I just kind of came out great. Is that why I'm the fucked up one between the two of us? Um, I think we're both a little fucked up, but hmm. you know, I think there's it's inevitable. I think this story perfectly explains our relationship as older to younger siblings. Maddie one time threw a party on New Year's Eve, and the cops came, and Dad called me, and I was in L.A., <clears throat> and he was screaming at me. Mm-hmm. He goes to pick Maddie up, and the next day, I find out that he has not once screamed at Maddie, but for no. some reason, I got in trouble for that damn party that you threw that I had no idea about. Yeah, I didn't get punished at all. Um, it was it was insane. I got in trouble. Our I got in trouble. Our parents did not discipline me. No, they didn't discipline you at all. I mean, I didn't need... I wasn't... That no, was you probably the worst thing I've yeah, ever done. Yeah, you were not an out-of-control teenager. I was teenager. not out-of-control, but like... 
they never pun. I don't even know what grounded means. That just never happened. Yeah, I was never grounded either. I didn't even think they knew what that meant. But I don't think grounding is like a good way to teach children no. stuff. I think that's like bullshit. Absolutely. Okay, moving on. So we have a lot of um, updates. This is also our second installation of Fix Me Up. I know. So, so exciting. exciting. This is going to be a really intense and awesome topic. This is going to be an informative guys episode get your nerd glasses on like we do right now we look like fucking nerds well we should okay because i lost my other glasses and (laughs) i'm wearing these ones we both are wearing wire 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 glasses mine are silver and yours are gold of course because that just matches our personas perfectly yep yep anyway so update on my hormonal acne situation i haven't talked about it in a long time so um i have been using um shawnee darden's skincare regime since we were since and we what are your thoughts her. well the thing is i love everything she's given me obviously but the hormonal acne has not gone away and it's not it has nothing to do with the product with what you put on your face yes it has to do with some hormonal imbalance that's happening in my body and i know everyone's gonna say don't eat dairy drink more water don't be stressed eh, 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 eh. oh I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to like X it out. Like X, X, X. I got it. I understand what you're trying to do there. That was great. That was fabulous. Okay, so I don't eat dairy. The only time I eat dairy is when I go Can I just do a side note? You're sitting here with your pants unbuttoned and unzipped all the way down. I'm so bloated. Oh my God. Fucking Everlane pants that are so tight. This is a sight to see. Yeah. This, I, I literally ate just couscous today and that's this is what happens okay anyway moving on so i drink you, a shit ton of water i drink my body weight in water every day so, so do don't i tell yes me that so I do don't. i i drink so I much work water. out every day i don't i don't eat dairy okay moving on something else is happening in my body so i went to a dermatologist okay because it was getting out of control it was so frustrating and uh, a la kendall jenner you too can have the skin of your dreams with proactive which i obviously am not using. okay sis but she did inspire proactive. me no she did inspire me to be like get get your shit together like get it checked i out. need to get my shit no together. you need to get your shit together you need to go to this dermatologist so she gave me this drug called spironolactone which i'm sure a lot of people know about it's apparently the holy grail for hormonal acne you're probably gonna need something else because yours is not hormonal yours is something else mine is just plain old acne yeah yours and is it like, went I, away it was starting to go away three weeks ago and now all of a sudden it's completely back yeah so it, it might you might need to just take something for it so um i'm annoyed because this pill takes about two to three months for you to see the results which is just like ugh. but apparently it it'll transform it immediately will once just, it kicks in yeah it'll take everything out she said um, she also gave me some another topical retinol that has just been drying out my face like no other. But I'm your face looks pretty dry right now. <sighs> it's flaking off like I've never seen it before. Are you sure you should continue using this product? Yeah, retinol is supposed to dry out your skin really bad, and then um, you get used to and it. Then you get used to it. Okay. But um, so yeah, that's my update. I'll keep you guys informed on if it works. I mean, I'm happy that I'm doing doing. I'm being pro. I'm being pro. <laughs> No pun intended. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. Second update. Just um. Little, little thing. Super Bowl. Okay. So we were all in a group message with our entire family, and all of a sudden, I get an influx, influx of messages like, "Who's watching the game? This is so intense. I can't stand this." I'm like, so, "What are you guys talking about?" Okay. So our mom and dad instilled in us um, football culture. 
because people, of the Chargers people, in San Diego. Yeah. So we grew up watching football. We're not like giant football stands, but people are really appalled that I understand football when I tell them like if I well, because they, every time there was a charger game there would be a huge huge party at the house right so anyways last week the Rams were playing and this both of the playoff games furthers this is my theory on football games okay the only part that matters is the is fourth a, quarter yes, I'm with That's you it. I'm with I you 100% I don't want to watch for five hours no I'm gonna come in at the last hour, I'm, I'm going to watch you. the fourth quarter. It's always the fucking best quarter. It's the neck on neck. They're, they they do the best plays. They're so aggressive. I'm with you. And these were the two best fourth quarters I have ever seen. They both went yeah, into it overtime. Was good. It was good. It was like all bets are off. Okay, Patriots but- w- got a touchdown at the last, like, 50 It was wild okay but the point of my story in this whole thing is is that i didn't know that our family was rams fans i had literally no idea that you guys have been rooting so for Heather, the rams for Heather years Ram- no heather's a rams fan since they moved to la i didn't even we know didn't- the rams were in la okay, i had then, no idea uh, that's your problem that's like very no my like my scope of football was just so specifically narrowed towards the chargers and when they left, I was like, I have no relation to football anymore. Yeah. Rams are in L.A. very much so. And they're going to Super Bowl. I know. So I, I feel awesome. I feel like a little bit of a kinship to the Super Bowl now just because of the whole yeah. Los Angeles situation. And we're going to be in New York during it. So if anyone is out there and wants to invite us to your Super Bowl party. Yeah, we're. I was so I was so I totally forgot we're going to be. I'm so excited to go to New York. But I, I love Super Bowl parties. Same. So I'm kind of bummed out that we won't be at home. But. Um, invite us to your parties, invite us to your parties. We're 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 a good time. We are a good time. I'm such a good time. I promise oh to get you drunk. And oh my god! Bring chip. Uh, okay, Tostitos hint of lime. Well, okay, okay. Moving forward, word of the week. Yes, what is it this week? This week, the word is enigmatic. It means difficult to inter- interpret or understand. Mysterious. That's interesting. Will you say it again? Enigmatic. 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 I feel like social media just blows that word out of the water like there's no need for that word anymore i don't understand like on social media we are not mysterious we're not complicated sure. we're we're very open we and are very enigmatic we're anti-enigmatic on social media we're completely exposed and on this podcast we're very anti-enigmatic as well that is true but the topic we're going to discuss um is, for our yeah, fix me is, up a is, is a little enigmatic it's difficult to interpret and understand which is why we're going to break it all down for you but first Round of current fixations. Okay, I will start. Um, so my current fixation this week, you will thank me later, is the Palm Springs outlets. They are okay. so gold. Mm. I literally got Vince shoes for $60. Yeah, your, I went your to all shoes are fire. Are so, oh, I've my, never my seen My husband you... said they're the podcast, my podcasting shoes because of, the, of the, the color, the pink. You, I've never seen you wear any color in your life mm-hmm. this is really tripping me out it's I like know, a pink. blush color i don't even know what to do but aren't they cute yeah, they're adorable i'm just saying when I, you walked in with these i was like what is going on well this is what happens when the vince shoes are 75 percent yeah, off that's amazing um which vince shoes are my favorite shoes in the world if you don't know them go to the palm springs outlet stores and go to vince um but the all saints there is also really amazing i got shirts for like 25 dollars when they're usually like 140 Mm. The Palm Springs outlet is so good. It's so good. And if you go during Christmas time, 
It's double as good. I got. I think it's a hit or miss though, because we went once after we went to Joshua Tree. We went on the way home, and I oh, didn't I remember find that anything. Okay, I find every something every single time I go there. But I usually find stuff at the All Saints store. That's like my favorite store to go to there. Oh, All Saints! That shit has never looked good on me. I look like a goth. This it's like for goth anorexic people. Is that what I am? No, no. I'm a little goth. You're though. goth, but you're not anorexic. I've always been a little goth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely fits your and Heather's vibe. Although now I'm on this stupid diet where I can only eat 1,200 calories a day and I'm like literally starving. That sounds just really... No, yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's not fun. Okay. Um, All right, are we ready to get into Fix Me Up? No, you didn't do your current fixation. Hello. (laughs) Amateur hour over here. Oh my God. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans 
jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Wow. Okay. My current fixation, it's actually been one for a while, but since my phone got stolen a couple months ago, I had to reorder it. Is it the sticker on the back of your phone? It's a phone case, excuse me. Oh, sorry. So I have the Urban Sophistication phone case that says social media seriously harms your mental health. I got this years ago, actually. Oh, it's not a sticker? No, it's a it's a phone case oh. by Urban Sophistication. Can I hold it? Yep. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's nice. I need a new phone case. Yeah, it's my favorite. So I'm going to get this. Okay. So I finally um, got my new one because my phone, I got a new phone. Um... So this sticker is obviously ironic because Mm -hmm. I am constantly on social media. And we love social media. And we do love it. Um, But it is a delicate reminder, I would say, just to sometimes, you know. You have a reality check. Step back a little bit. Step back a little bit. It just, when you're mindlessly scrolling and you're not even knowing what you're looking at. Maybe it's time to stop. See, I don't mindlessly scroll. Oh, I mindlessly scroll. Because I'm only on Instagram for OKSIS podcast. So I view Instagram as business. So I'm like, never just for pleasure am I scrolling. Oh. Well, anyways. Um, I do. So this is obviously ironic, but also a reminder. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, very... Ins- and you know what? It looks fucking great in a mirror selfie. I'm just going to come out and yeah, say Yeah, no, it. You're, you're right. Every time I see a girl with it with a mirror selfie, I'm like really like, jealous. Yeah, I'm like, you... You're you're like a cool girl. I'm gonna you know go, I'm mean? gonna order it tonight. Will you send me it's, the link? It's like a it's like a cool girl stamp. My case is like just oh, but you don't have your okay sis sticker on it I now. Know. I'll find uh, another place to put it because it can't have anything else. It's just like a sl- clean slate. Okay, fine. Anyways, okay, now we can get into the fix me up. So this week we're going to be talking week? about feminism. Or, no, specifically, well, specifically fourth wave, wave feminism. feminism. But we are also going to get into a brief history of the different feminism waves that have been happening since the late 1800s. Yes. So buckle up. This one's going to be ladies. Good. I'm so excited. Okay. So let's talk first about what what fourth fourth wave wave feminism feminism is. is. So. So (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yikes. Okay. You can go. You can go. Okay. Okay. I'm just like so excited. I know. Me too. Okay. So fourth wave feminism is a wave of feminism that began, began around 2012 and is, so, is associated with the belief that all humans are equal. Duh. Um, it heavily focuses on intersectionality, pushing for greater empowerment of traditionally marginalized groups in society, including women and girls. Also has like a heavy focus on the use of social media. It's and, a very digital wave. Absolutely. It lives in a digital And just sphere. so you guys know, fourth wave feminism is what we are currently, currently in, in right now. Yeah. So let's, let's take it back so we could talk about 
the past waves just to get a b- understanding of the history of feminism and how we got to where we are now. Okay, so the first wave started around 1848 and it stretches out to around 1920. And this might sound extremely trivial and dumb, but people actually started questioning political privilege and basis of equality. And they were saying, are women human beings? They're like, oh, oh, like wait, maybe we're maybe also we're like, humans. Maybe we could get like equal rights. Yeah, yeah. You sound so like drunk is- history. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually have never watched. Drunk oh history. my god, it is so prime. Oh wow, I need to watch it. Oh that my god, like it's up my alley. I don't really like history though. No drunk. I history. like feminist history, but I don't. Drunk like. history is so prime. Really? Okay, okay, yeah. okay. And I'll learn things because I like. Oh, learning. you will learn things. Great. While awesome. watching drunk celebrities it's hilarious okay back to first wave feminism so one thing i did want to point out that's a little frustrating about this wave is that many women of color such as sojourner truth maria stewart and francis e w harper were major forces in this push for not only woman suffrage but also universal suffrage because it was directly linked to the abolitionist movement at the time to you know abolish slavery so despite the hard work of all the women of color at this time the women's movement was ultimately established for and by white women, a la Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. So essentially the first wave was really only designated towards white women um, and um, a lot of women of color really got pushed to the back burner on this Absolutely. One. And there was, but there was a blatant racism, That's which I think was di- was a, differ- a different approach in the other waves. This first wave was like, we don't want you here. Yeah. And it's this separation. That's why it- there was that movie that came out. I think it was called The Suffragettes, where mm. they did um, a movie about like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton and all of those um, original White leaders. Women. And they got a lot of slack for it because they didn't include they didn't the, include women of color, absolutely. and, that's, and that's, just, that's a big issue. And that's just like ex- yeah, exactly the the issue that we're. But good out. things did come out of the first wave of feminism, mm-hmm. as we all know. In 1920, Congress passed the 19th Amendment, granting women the right to vote. Right, holler. This, one that's a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. and definitely notable, but it does also go without saying that. Uh, women of color had difficulty voting at that moment. So yeah. there's also the downside of that situation. Absolutely. Okay, now we're rolling into the second wave. The second Do you see wave. what I just did there? Yeah, rolling I love in. that. There you go. 1963 to the 1980s. So the second wave of feminism transpired when Betty Friedan's The Feminine Mystique, which we have to put on our okay sis. Book, yeah, we have to read that. Club. It came out in 1963 and that kind of erupted um, this second wave of feminism. So in this book, she essentially argued that there has been a systemic sexism that has been established and the world has refused women their creative and intellectual potential and this also goes into talking about the housewives so this was when Mm -hmm. the life of the housewife was very prevalent and popular where women's place was in the home the men's place was at work the woman's place was with the children and it definitely focused more on like the workplace sexuality family and reproductive rights and how to um revolutionize those but we could talk about i mean they had met there's many legislative victories during that time period as well the equal pay act of 1963 which theoretically outlawed the gender pay gap which we still are having issues with today yes um also title nine which gave women uh the right to educational equality and our favorite Roe v. Wade, 1973, which guaranteed women reproductive freedom. I remember when Trump got elected, I called all my girlfriends and I was like, get an IUD, get an IUD. Yeah, IUDs rock. They rock, yes. except they kind of like fuck up my period all the time, but that's oh. fine. 
they make my period negligible. It's oh, fabulous. I have like ten day periods. Oh god, the IUD just works perfectly with my system. I, I have I the it. same IUD as you. I know. Well, we have also different bodies, so. But we're sisters. You think it would be somewhat similar? Nope. Okay. Okay. Um, also, another side note is that although the second wave claimed to be anti-racist, women of, of color were, were still alienated from yeah. the mainstream movement. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not sensing a pattern. Yeah, there's a pattern here. But this yeah. wave um, also birthed some more unfortunate stereotypes, such as like the burning yeah. of bras, that feminists were lesbians, didn't shave, they were man-hating. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting because if you go back, there's actually no major accounts of like public bra burnings it just it erupted it from erupted maybe one, like one person, person doing it and then it kind of became the stereotype that people wanted to shy like you know break down and i think um, the man-hating yeah. one is really important to touch upon yeah because we that, see later that it's reversed you are interrupting oh. me left and right girlfriend oh, sorry sorry i, I am trying it. to make my point about man-hating oh sorry <laughs> i'm mansplaining you you are mansplaining me right man-hating. now um but Woman's the man-hating like really um masculine feminist was kind of made the feminine like the word feminism very dirty and it made it very unappealing and it made it unsexy which i feel like now that we've gone into the third wave which started around 1991 we're kind of unclear as to when it stopped people are not are not sure people actually argue that we're still in the third wave but i think we're in the fourth wave yeah so um, two events marked the third wave's emergence, the Anita Hill case in 1991 and the emergence of riot girl groups in the music scene of the early 90s. And just shout out, uh, that's where Doc Martens were born and I'm a huge Doc Martin fan. Do you still wear Doc Martens? Yeah, I wore Doc Martens when we went to UC Ona. Those are Doc Martens. Oh, wow. I have the low top ones. I used to have, oh yeah, I used to have the ankle no, that, ones. Yeah. I don't know where they went. I don't know what happened to them, but I have the low top docs. I used docs. to have velvet. Black velvet. Oh my god, that's incredible! I will dress my child in Doc Martens. I wore them my freshman year of college. That's yeah. Well, Doc, I was wild. I was like kind of grungy for a second. I think I just wanted to be you, so I think I got them, and then I had this like velvet touch, so to become a little girly. Oh my god, that's so cute. Okay, let's talk about Anita Hill. Oh, fabulous. Um, was Anita Hill. I know. Got it, screwed. In 1991, Anita Hill testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee that Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas had sexually harassed her at work. And Thomas, as you all know, made his way to the Supreme Court anyway, but... Anita Hill's testimony sparked an avalanche of sexual harassment complaints, and it kind of parallels with what has happened after Harvey Weinstein was exposed. So essentially, we're still going through this shit. Exactly. So, um, yeah. And then uh, uh, another thing I want to... Uh, 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 wow. There's something about the third way. How eloquent. <laughs> so many thoughts just like ran through my head. So something that distinguishes third wave from second wave is they didn't want to be that man-hating armpit hair stereotype. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with armpit hair. There's nothing wrong with armpit hair, but they wanted to embrace femme culture. And And, and to say that femininity isn't a downfall. Exactly. So they wore high heels and they owned their femininity. And I liked what there's an article by Vox that said it was born out of a belief that the rejection of girliness was in itself misogynistic girliness. Third waivers argued was not inherently less valuable than masculinity. So yeah, as you, as you said, it's, it's when you own your femininity, it's actually more feminist. 
Yeah, and being yeah. Fe- and being feminine isn't like a bad thing. Yeah, it's not a negative. It's something quality. to be celebrated, and you can be a feminist while wearing like a tight, hot dress with your boobs out. Yes, and heels. Well, your boobs out. I don't have boobs. I have boobs. Yeah, you got the good end of the stick. <laughs> Anyways, be careful what you wish for. That is true. That is true. Anyway, so now we're moving on to present day, which is the fourth wave. So this is rooted in the Me Too and Times Up movements. Um, another article by Vox that I really liked uh, mentioned that fourth wave feminism is queer, sex positive, trans inclusive, body positive, and digitally driven. Okay, so as a feminist, I particularly um, identify myself as an intersectional feminist. And I think that's something that the fourth wave does a really good job at. So we're going to talk about this a little lower. Oh, sorry. Am I jumping ahead? You're jumping ahead because sorry. I actually was doing a lot of research on intersectionality. You, It's not an identity. It's an oh. institutional practice. So you can't identify as an inter- intersectional feminist, but you can enact intersectional feminist policies and ideals okay yeah wow i'm learning a lot Mm -hmm. so you can't you just can say that you practice inter intersectional feminist actions okay then that's i don't know if that if that semantic really matters to people but it is that is what it's defined okay okay so um fourth wave feminism is also anti-misandry I don't know if I'm saying that right because we never say this word. So misandry or misandry is the opposite of misogyny. Okay. So it's the hatred or prejudice against men or boys. Which so what is fourth, not what exactly. modern day feminism does. Exactly. So we it's include. anti that. So, you know, the man hating of the second wave. Now we're kind of reversing that in the fourth wave and wanting to include. And it's always I mean, it's always been that way for my generation, I think, is the inclusive. The, the men are welcome to join and they're encouraged to join and actually their participation is necessary well that's what i always thought change. i always felt that feminism was a man's deal because they're the ones that need to exhibit the correct yeah. behavior they're the ones with the power they need to they need to exhibit the power and let women up they yeah. need to help they need to help we can if feminism is only a woman's game we will head nowhere nowhere yeah we need the help of men yeah and men need men need to step like i remember like when on facebook when like things get viral with feminism on with hashtags or whatever i am always like where are the men like we need men posting about this because they feel excluded we're doing i think we're actually doing not we're not doing a great job of making sure that they feel because i mean rightfully so we're angry of course Mm -hmm. and there's another sector of it where you know we are holding very powerful men accountable for their behavior in terms of like sexual assault and misconduct. So there is that little, you know, victimhood and, and, and uh, anger Mm. directed towards them. But we do need to do a better job of bridging that and making sure that we invite really helpful and, and, and genuine men I okay, so I follow women up. I follow the Paris Review on Instagram, and one of someone there was a quote on there. I don't know who the quote was by, but he said, "If I'm reading a book by a man where a woman walks home at night and isn't afraid, I put the book down for its ludicrousy." Like I'm paraphrasing that statement, but I'm like, and that just really struck a chord with me. I'm like, Mm. literally, a woman walking home at night, we are afraid, and we're taught to be on high alert if we walk home Mm -hmm. at night. We live in one of the greatest countries in the world and we're still afraid to walk down a street at nighttime. Like every woman has that experience, mm-hmm. no matter what what 
what socioeconomic background you come from, what race you are, mm-hmm. everything. Every woman can relate yeah. to walking home at night and being afraid. Yeah. And that's kind of where Me Too erupted, mm-hmm. right? It kind of brought this equalizer it doesn't matter if you're a Hollywood star or you're just someone that works at the local like coffee shop. Like you, you, f- you have this common victim experience mm-hmm. and this suffering and it really united, I think a lot of people. And that's, that's kind of where the, so- the use of social media, the quote unquote hashtag activism happen. And that's why it's in a fourth wave and like more of a digital space. Yeah. And it makes me a little bit emotional when Me Too happened, because mm-hmm. there was, oh no, Scout. there was so many women that went through such terrible things that yeah. men did to them, and to see everybody come forward with those mm-hmm. stories was really, really. It was a beautiful confession, but it right. was also really scary. It's really scary, especially because these women probably weren't even aware, mm-hmm. and and. And the courage of everyone else kind of made it okay to step out and confess, mm-hmm. as you said, which mm-hmm. is, is, I don't know. Did you, did you share a Me Too story? I did not share a Me Too story, um, but I, I don't know a woman that doesn't have a Me Too story. Yeah. It's crazy because actually my boyfriend shared a Me Too story about me. Oh, interesting. So... Him and I, just like quick segue story, we went out on Halloween like last year and I was wearing like a turtleneck short skirt. I was wearing a short skirt, but a turtleneck. Mm-hmm. And we walked, we were in West Hollywood, walked across the street to get our Uber and we were at, it was the fire station and all these firemen were sitting outside on like lawn chairs. Oh, you've told me this story. Yeah. And we walked past and I was like, oh, they're probably going to catcall just because that's what happens when people walk when you know i'm not saying to me but like just mm-hmm. when people walk by and it was like kind of awkward because it was kind of like quiet and they said what did they say i don't really even remember what they said but um they did cat call, cat call me or say something and i was just like ben heard it and he and he was like wait what did they just say and i was like yeah whatever and i just completely blew it off i didn't even think twice about it i was like yeah i don't know it's kind of gross but whatever and he couldn't let it go. Yeah. And he actually wrote like a status defending me and, and saying how how much men need to change their behavior, change their behavior and how unsafe he felt even with, you know, firefighters doing this to young women, especially on a night where people are drunk, people are in West Hollywood mm-hmm. bar hopping and they're subjecting them. And he he actually filed a police report and we like talked to the police and and everything and it was and they took it really seriously which was it was oh, that's really good nice to know. but i would have never you know it just shows how much men don't they're well, not succumb to it there's also i guess suppose and thank you thank you ben that yeah, was like that's, the best that's amazing it was a really that's that's a, that's a stand up example of how a man can get involved yeah. and support the women of this world um, but I think also we should give men at some point somewhat of a benefit of the doubt in the sense that they've been miseducated their entire lives. Yeah. So they are unaware a lot of the times about w- how their behavior affects other people. Mm-hmm. And if we can start with this generation really educating men mm-hmm. on how to respect a woman's boundaries, mm-hmm. I think that we there's a lot of hope for the next generation. Yeah. I think that this is something that can be achieved. Well, I love the idea 
of unlearning. I mean, not that I love the idea. I'm just fascinated I, I, by I, it. I like the the title of it, mm-hmm. l- l- unlearning. So obviously, we have been conditioned to act within this patriarchal structure, and we need to unlearn it. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. We can't say it wasn't this way. Like it is. Let's accept it. Let's unlearn piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And try to redefine what it is to be a woman and to be a man in today's world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of a first step is like really unlearning the systemic things that have been implanted in us. And I think also something that I think is really heartwarming is that women, a lot of times, I would say probably more in the second and third wave feminism uh, harbored a lot of competition between people because there just mm-hmm. wasn't enough room for mm-hmm. women at the top. And I think that our generation is really um, breaking that down. And totally. I think that we are anti-competition and I think we're all about helping one another. Mm-hmm. Um, There's the, there, there was this notion of scarcity. Yes, right? there was a there notion was of scarcity. notion of scarcity and competition that needs to be unlearned. Mm-hmm. And we ultimately need to understand that collaboration and inclusivity is what wins Mm -hmm. and we see it time and time again it's not just for social reasons it's for financial reasons too for economic reasons like there is a distinct benefit to including and lifting people up Mm -hmm. and collaborating like competition just isn't isn't the way anymore and And i I really like seeing that i think that the podcast medium actually is a super good example of how um people can help one another because every time we have a guest we get to learn about them we get to promote Mm -hmm. their thing they're promoting us it's a really like beautiful way to collaborate absolutely um okay so let's get into intersectionality yes this is very important the important so preface as two jewish white women Mm -hmm. we are very aware or like to think that we're very aware of our privilege yes and where how we were born and the space we we take up yes so we aren't having this conversation about intersectionality to like gain social capital or currency it's more so a way for us to take tangible steps and also express and give out tangible steps towards a more inclusive and powerful feminism, which happens when every woman isn't a participant. I was watching a documentary. Um, I don't remember what it was about or what it's called, but I remember this one anecdote and it said that um, African-American women are the most underpaid mm-hmm. demographic in our country. I think it's actually Latina, but um, oh, we can, we, we should probably check. fact check that. But regardless, it needs to be, it's a minority it, it, and yeah, that's unacceptable. Be, yeah. It needs to be more for sure. So, you know, I, I, why we kind of highlighted the black feminist um, journey throughout those waves is because it is left out of history books, I mm-hmm. feel, and is left out and, and is alienated. Yeah. The fourth wave feminism is I'm more sorry, inclusive. Is, well, it's, it's more inclusive. It's trying to be more inclusive. I think third wave for sure was just all about white feminism um, and we just need to be better at mm-hmm. identifying that mm-hmm. and understanding how to bridge those two. So um, just a little background on what intersectionality is. Kimberly Crenshaw, she's a scholar of gender and critical race theory. She coined the term 
uh, intersectionality to describe the ways in which different forms of oppression intersect. So, for example, intersectionality states that a black woman's experience of systemic oppression is not somehow equal to that of a black man added to that of a white woman. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, so you can't intersect different races to, like, make up another one. And it's not, that's not how it, like, equates. Okay. Um. So, and then as I mentioned, it's, it's not, not an, identity. an identity. So it's, it's, uh, it's an institutional practice and we can establish uh, intersectional feminist policies. Um, another thing to mention is, uh, you know, black women are not, are, are just one of the minorities that we're talking about here, but, you know, people of color within the LGBTQ movements, women with immigrant Im- or immigration movements, trans women, you know, uh, um, uh, socioeconomic, socioeconomic status, people with disabilities. These are all different arenas of mm-hmm. minorities that are, that have been alienated from feminism in historically. Mm -hmm. So we just need to be cognizant of their experience as well. I was wondering maybe if you have the similar experience. Um, I always feel a push and pull between being white and being Jewish Mm -hmm. because technically our history as Jews has been one of Of extreme oppression. Yet we also, but we also live in a society where we are praised, are praised as white individuals. Oh, I I was going to say like Jews are well regarded. Not not by everybody. Not by everyone. Of course, there's a ton of anti-Semitism, but I think Jews are seen as higher status sometimes, especially mo- in the like, financial world. Well, yeah, that's like sense? a stereotype that's yeah, been perpetuated. Yeah, but like yeah. there's a lot of like Jew. Uh, we've we, yeah. we've we've reached success in this country. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I always like find this push and pull between um anti-Semitism and then um checking my privilege as a white Absolutely. female as well mm-hmm. and i think that as as i think that more white women need to check their privilege mm-hmm. and understand that we come from a place of privilege and that we do not necessarily or we are given um, more leeway or more rights or more yeah. safety yeah absolutely um, so yeah i whenever people say like check your privilege i'm like okay but like what specifically can i do because mm-hmm. you know me i'm like very pragmatic i want to get some like tangible steps Mm -hmm. so i looked up a lot of amazing people mostly i mean mostly people of color have come out with ways that we can be more like just mindful and Mm -hmm. whatever um but uh, one that i loved is juliana pache there was this uh article in fader she says the more privilege you have the more you need to listen the more you need to pass the mic so obviously which is kind of ironic because we're sitting here hogging the <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, check your privilege. Um, and then another one by Anupa Mystery. She says, "Disperse decolonized ideas into my own community and communities." So you know, people of color were colonized. People minorities and just kind of de uh, again unlearning those unlearning, ideas yeah. and being able to spread that. Those those things. Another one was um, so fifty three percent of women of white women voted for DJT. And sorry, I made I don't even want to give him the satisfaction of of giving him a nickname, but Hassan Minaj calls him DJT in in Patriot Act. If you're not picking up what we're putting down, we're talking about Donald Trump. Yeah, sorry, I just I really think DJT. It's it's so patronizing. I kind of love it. Um, Anyway, so fifty three percent of white women voted for DJT. And, which is like so shocking. Which to is me. so shocking, and and you know what? Like I know we didn't, of course. Yeah. But and when black women say like, "Yo, 
white women need to help us step up your game. Um, We can't be defensive about that because it is true that we can reach white women easier Mm -hmm. than any other group, you know, Mm -hmm. and it is our responsibility to talk to our fellow white women. No, but like, um, uh, relatives or, you know, just people that we do know in our specific circles that maybe have, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because the topic of Donald Trump is so polarizing. And honestly, I don't think that this country is in a position where either side can have a, uh, constructive, constructive (laughs) conversation with the other side. I think we're both not listening to each other. I think we're both polarizing each other even more. And I just don't see, um, minds being changed. Maybe that's a little bit of a pessimistic view, but, um, I believe on both sides, we're kind of really pushing each other farther and farther away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So other, other ones, other ways we can be more intersectional in our approach to feminism. One lift as you climb. This is from Forbes. They wrote a really great article, um, about, you know, ways, ways to bring intersectionality into your feminism practice. So lift as you climb, obviously bring others up as you're also fighting for social justice to get curious, not furious. So again, yes. listening with yes. empathy. I kind of love that. Get curious, not, not furious. furious. So that is don't let your anger overwhelm you because that will never get your point across. Yes. I'm with that 150%. Yeah. So if you're called out, you know, and you're, you're called out for being or you're just, you know, or someone is expressing an opinion that's different than yours. Just try to listen with the most empathetic stature Mm -hmm. and explain your side. And hopefully they listen with curiosity as well. When the elections happened, the question that I was asking, I, what I wanted to know was who did Obama fail and why did Obama fail them and why do they feel the way they feel? I, I just wanted to know. I wanted yeah. to honestly and know. W- w- yeah. Who were who were the people that felt neglected, neglected. that needed Donald Trump? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that no one stopped to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's something that Hillary didn't didn't ask. Yeah. And didn't think of. Mm-hmm. even. Um, okay, number three is seek out diverse opinions. So obviously just listen to other life experiences and really advocate for those people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and being intentionally inclusive. I really love that. Number five is resist generalizations about all women. So I think we've done a good, hopefully a good job of that I hope today. So. Um but yeah, it's, I mean, and, and honestly, like, I'm a little nervous right now as we record this because this is such a touchy subject for enigmatic. so many re- Yeah, it's very enigmatic. <laughs> um, and I don't want to say the wrong thing. Absolutely. And that's kind of why we're dissecting it and, and trying to show different different sides mm-hmm. of it and, mm-hmm. and um, shed light on the on the variety. I mean, feminism it's is very so multifaceted. It's so much multifaceted. But, um, you know, it's tempting to stand up for all women in this. But the reality, you'd fall into that trap of the all lives matter with feminism. And that's not okay. And so we need it. And it's tempting because it's just like it's a woman's fight and whatever. But it really isn't. It is. There's layers. There's layers and there's sections. And we need to be cognizant of those and just be very wary of not falling into that. Mm-hmm. All lives matter. All women's lives matter mm-hmm. because that's not the how case. it goes. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, 
that was our little fourth wave feminism <laughs> dissection. Deep dive into Deep feminism. Dive. And I, if there are any men listening to this, which there probably yes. aren't, but if there are, please support your fellow women. Please rise up to the occasion and help women yeah. of all race, color, um, bring a woman into the boardroom, have them sit next to you at the table, pay them equal salary, ask them questions. Don't interrupt. Mm-hmm. I think those are yeah, some things that you can do. You can consider. Yeah. Oh, I feel, I feel, I feel good. I feel, I feel a little sad. I feel sad, but I feel like we really tackled. We learned, we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And I agree. We tackled a tough subject. I'm really proud of us. Um, hopefully it resonates with others yeah please let us know if you have thoughts on fourth wave feminism yeah you can shoot us a dm at okay sis podcast yes okay sisters love you Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.